I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology, and personal development. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. What's happening? This is episode 321, the Dr. Dwight Jennings Dental Exam Bonus Show. Now, before you get into this, make sure you go back and listen to the show before this, which of course was number 320. It's called TMJ, Jaw Pain and Substance P, The Missing Link in Dentistry to get the big picture of this episode. So this show is an audio feed of my entire dental exam with Dr. Jennings and features so much valuable information about this little known type of dentistry and how it's often the root, no pun intended, of so many seemingly unrelated health issues. So this is an audio feed of Dr. Jennings going inside my mouth, as gross as that is, uh, and explaining how his form of dentistry can help alleviate so many other symptoms in the human body. It's really fascinating. And I can't wait to get up there to Dr. Jennings and continue my treatment. You know, after we did this, the whole, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, the Rona thing happened. And it became difficult to travel, et cetera. So this is recorded a while ago, and I haven't had the opportunity to get back up there and actually get you know the things to fix the jaw and do all the things. So I'm looking forward to doing that uh, one of these days here. And then I'll really become a believer, I'm sure, because it's obvious from the interview with Dr. Jennings and from this exam that he is really onto something special. So if you agree... And uh, this piques your interest, please pass the show off to a friend. And remember that this one is also on YouTube for those that prefer to see and hear as you learn. I'll be back at you next Tuesday with number 322, Good Vibrations. That's bioharmonics and sound healing with Dr. Vibe featuring Dr. Stephen Schwartz. It's going to be a really fun episode and one that kicks off the holidays nicely. So enjoy this bonus episode of the Lifestylist Podcast, and I'll be back next week. Okay. I'm ready. Take you out here. Yes, sir. Uh, so normally we would have a medical history mm-hmm. that we integrate. Step a little bit this this way. This way. Yeah, because there's a Great. camera right there. Uh, and so that <clears throat> so we normally have do come in, do an intake, and have a medical history, and then I get your chief complaint. Right, people have mm-hmm. chief complaints uh, why they show up here in the first place, and so between the chief complaint. We're integrating all that information between your medical history, your chief complaint, and the visual exam. So now we'll do a visual exam on you, and then we might talk a little bit more about cross-integration on other stuff. Cool. Sounds good. I also brought my night guard if it's useful. Yeah, that would be probably worth looking at. Um, There's lots of different beliefs and theories that dentists work on when they make night appliances. And then we can talk a little bit about what I think works and doesn't work. Because I... Regardless, I want to get a new one, at least, that goes on the bottom. Yeah, bottom ones usually work better. For starters. Uh, the ones that I use for most of my patients, it's both jaws simultaneously, but doesn't clip onto either jaw. Oh, wow. So it's what most dentists would understand to be a neutral bionator. Uh, so it has acrylic between the back teeth, uh, but it indexes both jaws to a relaxed trajectory. Oh, cool. That is, it's people falling off trajectory that typically induces snoring, sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. And so you want to maintain them on that trajectory. You don't want them to displace when they go unconscious. Got it. 
Cool, man. Yeah. Let me just take a peek at you. Uh, bite on your back teeth, close, all that right there. So you have about uh, 90% overbite. Upper teeth come down about 90% over your bottom teeth. And we look pretty well coordinated in the back. Um, open for me now. Uh, so as you, so what dentistry doesn't know is that when you're trying to figure out where a lower jaw needs to be, it's most important to look at where it goes when it opens, not where it goes when it closes. Because oh. when it closes, we know it's dysfunctional. So the question is, where does it go when you open? And so most people that have retreated bites, um, as they open, their jaw drifts forward. And then as they close, it gets pulled back into the skull again. Um, and so you're looking at where that forward position is that would normally close up. And a good way of doing that is just open wide for me and bite on my stick there, close. And one more time, opening it and closing again. So where your jaw goes when you bite on that stick is a good is 95% accurate as to where the jaw needs to be. Normally, if you just stick anything between somebody's teeth, they'll normally close to that relaxed position. They mm-hmm. ins- the brain instantly knows that they're not going to run into the front teeth, so they don't pull their jaw back anymore. Oh. For 95% of the population, where the jaw needs to be is tip to tip. So dentistry doesn't appreciate that there's biomechanical principles involved here. Muscles attach. Muscles are strongest at their resting length. Muscles are like fibers, right? And they can either elongate those muscles or you can foreshorten those muscles. And if you do either of those two muscles, they get weaker. So muscles attach to your lower jaw to be strongest and most relaxed whenever they have to service the furthest point from your jaw joint where they have the least biomechanical advantage. And that's when you bite tip to tip. So for the vast majority of people, when you're trying to find out where that lower jaw needs to be, it's always when they're end on end, which is how all primitive humans just there's biomechanical had it figured out. Yeah, there's, there's biomechanical <laughs> reasons why we need to be there. And these days, when they're looking at integrating a lot of airway issues, again, that gives you maximum forward positioning of the jaw to give you maximum airway too. So it's um, to treating you to a tip-to-tip bite. Um, and there's a good website, um, pgocclusion.com, maintained out of England. It gives a lot of evidence as to why a tip-to-tip bite is better. Cool. And we'll put that in the show notes for those listening and watching yeah. so that you can find that. So um, bite on your back teeth, close right there, and then slide your lower jaw forward out tip to tip and bring your lower chin out. Yep, pull that right there. Perfect. So now I'm going to look in the back when you slide forward. You have kind of a, a mild uh, defect in the back. Some people, depending on the steepness of their jaw angle, when they slide that jaw forward, it drops down a lot in the back and they can end up with very large gaps back there. But in your case, you're down only about two millimeters, right? Which means your treatment, if you ever treat this, it's pretty easy. I'm treating it. Okay. I already decided. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so other thing on you too, you're a little bit what we call division two. The upper two front teeth are in just a little bit from the, the teeth beside them. And so there's a little bit of an overlap right here on this tooth and on this tooth. Your two front teeth are behind these teeth a little bit. And so it's not these teeth that are out of position. It's the two front teeth out of position. A lot of people think where this one, the second tooth over turns out on them, that that's the defect, but it's actually the two front teeth that need to come forward. So getting those two front teeth forward will also allow you to get that lower jaw more forward. I feel like they didn't used to be like that. And I swear, I think from wearing a night guard, it smushed my teeth tighter together. Could. Is that possible? It's possible. because So that's a big problem in um, sleep apnea appliances. They bring those jaws forward. And I've seen multiple cases 
when they bring the jaws forward that over time, they can't get the jaw to go back anymore. And so like I just had a gentleman come in, he had been in a sleep apnea appliance for 12 years. And when he bit down, the only thing touched was his front teeth. Right. He can't, the jaw just won't go back. The joint had got decompressed. The cartilage had reinflated. But you could do the reverse. You can, this is adaptable structure and it could adapt to having, if you're getting pushed back overnight, that you'd end up further back on you. Uh, that's the main reason that we put our finished cases in an end on invite. We want to make sure that they stay there at nighttime because if they fall out of that at nighttime, over time, they will go back on just as you're describing. Right. When, when those bites go off, not having molar support causes massive problems in the body. Um, there's a Japanese studies showing people missing their back force when they bite down. On average, some cases were worse. On average, it decreased brain blood flow by 40%. Right. Whoa. Right. Um, lack of molar support. Uh, anytime, so the Japanese have done 40 years of research on bite destruction in animals. And anytime you shorten the, molars on an, shorten the molars on an animal on one side, it makes the opposite side of the body become hypertonic, tense, tighten up, and they all get scoliosis. What the hell? <laughs> So, so not when, you having, say, when you say molars, does that mean wisdom teeth or the, or the ones further? So there's the three front? molars in the back. First uh-huh. molar, second molar, and wisdom teeth. They're oh, molars, okay. We're, they're molars, they're so molars. I have all my, all my molars. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I'm missing a wisdom tooth upper left. Right. Yep. You got all your molars, which is really good. Oh, yeah, good. Because yep. there were times when various dentists wanted to pull them all out. And I was like, no, oh, it hurts too bad. Let's leave them. And so the, that's part of the problem. So the adaptive process you're describing so, like, my daughter was born with a severely retreated lower jaw to the point that she had a pretty significant speech defect. She's kind of like her from Boston when she was younger, right? Uh, but when you bring that, like, I started treating her at age three, and when you bring that lower jaw really far forward, bring it out of the socket. The socket ends up bending, remodeling, going back into the socket, and it ends up elongating the lower jaw. And so she's able to keep all of her wisdom. Oh, wow. Right. But if you take somebody whose jaw is really far back and this whole thing's bent forward on them, it reduces the length of the lower jaw and they're much more likely to have to need wisdom teeth removal. Oh, interesting. So would you say in many cases you could avoid having to pull wisdom teeth by just properly aligning the jaw first? At a young age, yes. But you've got to do it young. You've got to do it young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that recent book that was published a year ago, um, Jaws, The Story of a Hidden Epidemic, uh, the orthodontist that co-wrote that, uh, she won't treat anybody over age 12. Wow. Right. So she wants to be able to get a lot of growth potential. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. Cool. Um, but yeah, getting the jaw forward. So if you keep the jaw forward at nighttime, it wants to be more forward in the daytime. And so that's part of the problem with most or a lot of TMJ therapy is they give you a mouthpiece that works great when you're up, upright and conscious. But when you go unconscious, the jaw displays on you. So they never quite get to your optimum forward position. So they, a lot of these cases end up with still a slight overbite if they're treating for TMJ case purposes or jaw orthopedic purposes because they're, they're falling back at nighttime. So if you support that jaw forward at nighttime, they'll want to be more forward in the daytime. And you can get them all the way out when they maintain tip to tip. Great. Now, the problem with treating somebody tip to tip, it demands a higher degree of precision in orthodontics. That is... It's extremely critical that when you bite down and hit those front teeth, that your back molars are slightly taller than your front teeth, right? What should happen on an ideal bite is that you close up and hit your back molars and your jaw rotates, decompresses from your jaw joint, touches your front teeth, 
right? But the brunt of the force is on the back molars. There should be no vibratory, percussatory pressure on your front teeth when you bite down. Right? You shouldn't. If you tap, tap firmly, you shouldn't feel the front teeth vibrating. And so in our cases, when we treat them, we over-treat them slightly. We get those back teeth slightly too tall and let function bring them back together. So we want to make sure that they're hitting here. There's a little bit of space in front and they decompress to get those front teeth together and get all the decompression out of the jaw joint cartilage. Dentistry doesn't really appreciate the fact that the cartilage within your TMJ joint is compressible and adaptable. And so they don't, they don't typically use it. So the entire treatment that we're doing on a TMJ case is with what they call um, um, pivoting mechanics. And that is the back molars are high and the front teeth are clear. And so you're always trying to jack those joints down, make the back teeth taller, get the jaw to close up, pivot up, and get maximum decompression within the TMJ. If you have compression within the TMJ joint, it overworks your temporalis muscle. This is the muscle that pulls your jaw up and back. Your temporalis muscle is tied in integratively, centrally with um, gallbladder. So if you look at the gallbladder meridian, it Z's back and forth to your temporalis muscle. And so people that have the jaw back too far, temporalis overworked, are going to have a lot more propensity towards gallbladder dysfunction, gallbladder removal. Crazy how all that's related. Yeah. Well, we're definitely going to, when we sit down and do the official interview when I'm not in the chair, I want to get into that. So let me check you one other way here. Yeah. Another way that we check, um, this is polyvinyl siloxane. It's silicone. It sets up in about 15, 20 seconds, okay. and it'll show me how all your back teeth fit together. Oh, cool. So this is something that general dentists should be doing on every patient, just to see how those back teeth are aligned. Um, I'll squirt you here. Okay. So dentists, for the most part, when they're trying to get anything even, they use carbon paper, and I use this material. Bite on your back teeth, close all the way. Um, this is probably 20, 30 times more precise than carbon paper. Hmm. You can hold it up to the light and it gives you a thickness on it. It's like a, a thickness gauge, uh, pressure gauge. And it is just much more accurate at trying to get people precise. And this system here is sensor, sensitive enough that it needs that kind of precision. Um, Mm-hmm. Let's see if that's set here yet. Yeah, that's good. Let's open up there. Yeah. Wow, that's set so fast. That's mm-hmm. crazy. So when we hold this up to the light and look at it, mm-hmm. so you're hitting heaviest on this tooth, not so heavy on those teeth, and your left side, you're really not hitting properly. I can feel that. Yeah. yeah. Your, your left side's a little bit light. You're not really touching on the left side. With, and then you're hitting the front teeth too heavy, too. You'd like to see this lighter on the front teeth. But we look at this for peaks and valleys. You're actually lined up quite well on your peaks and valleys. Um, those, all those little holes in there mm-hmm. are caused from uh, grinding and teeth typically not being precisely lined up. Mm. Right? So, so that's a, um, a, a form of um, compression erosion. That happens on teeth. You get some up on these teeth too. But but this uh, most orthodontic post treatment cases, if you look at them, these will be uh, significantly off. Like on this side, uh, on your left side, 
where that one tooth is touching. It's hitting just the outside slope of that tooth. When a, when a tooth hits um, precisely the way that it should, there should be equal amount of light on this side and that side of this ridge. Right. Wow, that's such detail. And so, so you can see that all the pressure is on that side and nothing on that side. Right. right. That's funny because every time we've had uh, adjustments done or any kind of fillings and they use that carbon paper, I never, the inside feel never matches what they're telling me. The right. dentist, oh, no, it's great. It's perfect. We got it. And I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> you, right. Like you just said, I already knew that the right side hits right there in the middle. I mean, I can just feel it. I'm, See, they could never figure this out with carbon paper. Right. They could They could never. Like I feel that my left side doesn't touch. That's where I have an implant on the bottom when, when the dentist put that in. God bless him. He's a great dentist. But you put that in. I'm like, dude, the bite's wrong. That tooth's not touching. And now we see that it's not. Right. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this this is crucial, essential to doing this work precisely. You have to use this material. Why don't? Why do they use carbon paper still? But they're taught in dental school. Oh, oh. yeah, they just don't know. Mm-hmm. They just don't know. Got it. Um, but this doing this gives you a lot of information on somebody. Um, orthodontists need to use this on all their cases. They don't. They're just looking visually to see if you look good. And they assume that everything will line itself up, which isn't the case at all. Um, Clearly. And so, um, yeah, this is a great tool uh, for, for assessing bites. Because you can see the difference, the amount of light coming through here on the, on the, you know, this is probably, you know, you're talking ten thousandths of an inch difference on those sides, but it shows it up. Right. So for those of you listening and not watching this on the, on the YouTube video, um, he's now taken this gel that's, that's firmed up from, from my bite and um, it, it just looks like some blue chewed up gum in the shape of a U and you can see the indentations of where the teeth are hitting. When he's talking about the light, it's just thinner at the places where the bite's hitting harder. And so it's just a really clear, obvious representation of what teeth are hitting and, and when they do, how much. Right. Yeah, that's cool. Back molars are supposed to hang a half a tooth out over your bottom teeth. So the inside peak of your upper molars is supposed to hit the middle of your bottom teeth and the outside peak of your lowers is supposed to hit like gears. And if you start touching on the slopes, um, then every time you bite down, the jaw shifts. And that puts a lot of stress on the musculature, the joint, the proprioceptors, sensors, um, and on your teeth too. When you hit a tooth on a side like that, it makes that tooth flex a little bit and that'll cause notch and erosion and cervical uh, recession on teeth. Uh, most a lot of dentists think that recession on teeth is from toothbrushing too hard, but it's typically more often from um, those teeth not being precisely aligned. I've had dentists tell me it's from eating almonds. <laughs> like, really? I think my teeth are harder than an almond. Like, I don't eat that many almonds to begin with. But so, so when you're like, chewing, your teeth don't really come together, right? So food right. bolus in between there should, should be, shouldn't make a right. difference. Yeah, you're, you have shock absorbers called food in there, right? Right. right. Okay, noted. Uh, do you want to look at my night guard? Yeah, let's see your night guard. Okay. This thing is disgusting, so I'm I'm not I'm gonna hide it from the camera because it's so gross. Every time I start dating someone, I'm I'm like I hide the night guard on the counter the nightstands. It's so nasty. I don't care how many times, especially now because mine turned blue from my my uh, blue canatine nootropic. All right, here it goes. So bite clean. Yeah. So that's actually forcing your lower jaw further back into your skull. Really? Uh-huh. That's typically what an upper one will do. It'll, it's got a ramp on the back of those front teeth. And so when you hit it, it drives the jaw back. 
I can feel that now that you now that you say that. Yeah. So historically, dentists were taught to push the jaws back, but no nobody in a progressive mind these days wants that. They all want the jaws brought forward for airway purposes, for functional purposes. Um, there's a huge controversy in dentistry over what causes TMJ. Uh, there's the psychosomatic school of thought, and they think it's too much stress overwork in the system. But the two largest TMJ organizations in the United States um, believe that it's uh, that the jaw is back too far and that you have to structurally change that jaw. So they do what they call anterior repositioning therapy, which is what I'd recommend to fix your case. You got to get that lower jaw forward. And to get it forward, you got to get the back teeth taller to keep it forward. I think that now? Yeah. 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 So that's. Uh, so that thing sucks. I, I sense that. So um, what can we do from this point to fix my bite and get me set up with a new night guard? Um, so you, what are the steps? So you'd want to do um, look and see what you might have imaging wise. You'd like to see the image of those TMJ just as a baseline, see what kind of state they're in. Um, then from the imaging, you do moles of your teeth. We tell a bite registration. And the bite registration, well, let me do that on you. Okay. <clears throat> so I'm going to squirt you and have you bite on my stick. And okay. So listen to me here. Mm-hmm. Squirting this material in there is a little deprogramming. So I also see in your mouth that you have fairly large outgrowths of bone, what they call tori's. Mm-hmm. And tori's are bracing bone. So the bone thickens due to the stress on it. And bite on my stick, man. Smile and slide your jaw forward for me, right and back, uh, right there. Maybe forward just a hair. Yep, right there. Perfect. And then we're going to see how easy you can find this bite once it sets up. It'll give you a, a temporary bite surface. And we're going to look at your arc of opening and closing. We do have abilities to do all this under. Um, computerized um, instrumentation also, which we do in some cases. But for the vast majority of people, um, getting them, just having a bite on the stick is um, quicker, faster, um, and cheaper than using all the fancy technology. Open for me there. And so I'm looking at your jaw and bite close on that again. And one more time, open again and bite close again. Yeah, so that's pretty good. You also have a slight midline discrepancy. The upper middle teeth don't quite match your nose. Mm. Um, yep, you're off a little bit. And so that makes your lower midline not quite match your upper midline. Open again for me there. You know, it's tracking pretty good. But this gives you the, the gap in the back, and this is still with the stick in here. So mm-hmm. this isn't a very large discrepancy in the molar area than what you find on some individuals. So uh, rating from 1 to 10, 10 being the worst bite discrepancy, where would I fit based on this initial? Probably about a 3. Not that bad. Not that bad. Cool. So anytime you bring the lower jaw forward, it necessitates that you have to widen the upper jaw so that you're bringing a wider part of your back molars into a skinnier part of your upper jaw. And so you want to, that's part of the process is widening that upper jaw 
so the appliances, the treatment is we put you into appliances. Um, so I have an example of the appliances that we use. And I don't see those here. We'll have to, um, when we do the interview, we can show you those. But, okay. um, but the appliances are used for the first phase, for the first month or two, to find out exactly where that jaw functionally wants to be in space. And once you get the jaw functionally aligned, then that dictates the orthodontic treatment that you need. Oh, cool. So phase one is to find out where it needs to be. Phase two is to stabilize it in that therapeutic position, ideal functional position. Uh, and phase three is to maintain it there over many years. Cool. Right. So for right now, I just keep using my night guard, and then we just start doing the further evaluations and taking those steps. Yes. Cool. Yes. Awesome, man. Um, and then the other thing that, uh, so medical history-wise, is anything you want to, Bring up and uh, well, I, I've I think uh, I've done a lot of work on the on the old body here. Thank you, body. Um, and I think the things that have been persistently difficult for me to overcome, and I have a lot of resources and you know knowledge and experts to see, such as people like you, um, have been digestive issues, gut issues, and also systemic migrating pain like joint pain that just moves around and then really long-term lower back and right hip pain uh, that i just well i don't know recently i had this a transformative kind of healing just a few days ago that seems to be having a really positive effect on the hip and the back but yeah it's just like body pain mm -hmm. uh, and digestive issues other than that like energy levels and you know all my labs and stuff are really good but the gut's been a little so with bite Compromised bite relationships, it tends to push up your substance P levels in your body. And substance P is a major regulator of gut function. So what's supposed to happen is when a person chews, your substance P levels naturally and normally blip up. And that turns on gut motility, the process, the food that just went down there. But when there's constant bite dysfunction, it keeps your substance P levels high. And it makes you a lot more prone to constipation, diarrhea symptoms. Plus, it, what substance P does to the body is it creates a systemic whole body leaky gut phenomenon. It opens up cell membranes. Wow. Right. And so substance P is a major regulator of leaky gut. Right? Damn. And so and as substance P goes up, it hypersensitizes the body. So people get overly reactive to all kinds of foods and stuff. So a lot of people, when they eat something and they have a reaction to it, they think that they can't tolerate that food. But it may be just that process of chewing pushed up their substance p levels a little bit higher and they get reactive to what went down there regardless of what it was oh that's interesting wow wow what a trip out of it so many people have misdiagnosed with food intolerances and allergies and whatnot because of that right so substance p is what meat causes allergies it causes uh crone it's elevated in crohn's ibs uh it's a primary driver in both of those conditions oh interesting yeah, this is good um, stuff. Substance P, where it so cell every cell in your body is like a little battery, and substance P attaches to those cell membranes and opens up that cell and lowers the voltage potential on cells. And so when cell voltage potential drops, then cells fire too easily. So like substance P is the primary mediator of seizures, right? The cells then all fire too easily because the cell membranes drop. But it's also a major neural secretory modulator because secretory cells now secrete too easily. Right, so substance P throws off 
female hormones, builds off thyroid, builds off, you know, all your endocrine system. Um, jaw dysfunction is a biomechanical stress on the body, and consequently, its primary impact is in the kidney. Right? It's a stress organ, it's your primary stress organ. So you see a lot of kidney dysfunction. There's lots of um, case histories about how a bite dysfunction goes away with orthodontics on the, like bedwetting um, and other stuff like that. Oh, man. Um, God, dude, you've discovered the, the holy grail of mystery <laughs> illness here. This is really, really cool. But, but it's, that, it's that depolarization, cell yeah. membrane integrity that uh, yeah, contributes to a lot, lot of illnesses. 7P um, controls all skin disorders, eczema, seborrheic psoriasis, acne. Right. Who knew? Right. So it's, I don't think it's. Uh, and so how you hit on your last tooth in the back is more important than all the rest put together. And so I think when those twelve-year molars come in, um, it's a major factor in why the acne and uh, the uh, skin conditions that you see heavily at that age. Oh, interesting. So it's another part of the puberty process, right? In addition to the cascade of hormones. Had a, um, so I have a theory on autism, and that is that the mother has a bad bite. And then she gestates this baby for nine months in an altered neurochemical environment, too much substance pee. And the research shows that autistic babies, when they pop out of the womb, have too much substance pee. And when the teeth start coming in on these children and they inherit the mother's bite, probably worse than the mother, then it is often what triggers them and puts them over the edge, and that's why you often see a delayed onset in autism. The primary pathology in, the, in autism these days is the inflammation of the brain, which is primarily driven by substance P. Um, and they have sensory disorders. They have gut issues, really, really, right? And if you look at the, um, uh, the, the Porges, the vagal theory stuff, it's, it's um, jaw proprioception is a massive input into that a brainstem that alters social interaction. Yeah. So, right, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> There's a lot of connections there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, the polyvagal theory is missing the dental part mm-hmm. of it. He didn't quite know the dental part of it. Right. But, but it, it's, it's a major, major stimulus within that polyvagal theory. Wow. Hey, 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 thanks for joining me on this uh, very trippy bonus episode, right? I don't think I've ever done a podcast with somebody's hands in my mouth. Uh, Hopefully you could hear it okay. I'm sure I sounded a bit jumbled there at times. But uh, again, man, I just think this this TMJ jaw alignment thing that uh, Dwight has stumbled upon, well, he stumbled upon it 25 years ago, is really important. And I'm so stoked to be one of the forerunners of... uh, getting his work out there. I think I first heard about uh, Dwight Jennings from Dave Asprey a few years back. I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he was on his podcast and that was where I first got tipped off to this and it took me a few years to kind of end up going down the rabbit hole and I don't know that I have TMJ in a meaningful way, but I definitely have some uh, jaw alignment issues which are likely not doing me any favors. So it was really fun to be able to uh, share this exam with you. I, I like to do this immersive journalism stuff. You know, I did an episode uh, a couple years back where I went to 
Utah with Dr. Harry Adelson and Dr. Amy um, Killen. And I made a YouTube video and a podcast in the operating room and put that out. So I love doing stuff like this. Um, And I've done many episodes since where I go find an expert or a modality and the episode is me actually having the experience. It's really fun. I feel so fortunate and blessed to be able to not only have these experiences, but to be able to share them with you. So thank you so much for joining me on this ride. And I hope if you have some of these issues, you'll seek out Dr. Jennings or someone like him that focuses on this type of dentistry. And for those of you that are wondering if I've done shows on teeth, dentistry, et cetera, before I have, I don't have the episode number in front of me, but it was Dr. Villarreal uh, way early on. It was probably like in my first 20 episodes and he's one of the foremost biological dentists. And so when it comes to dentistry, I'm very particular about who I let in the old mouth cave there. Uh, and uh, that actually brings something to mind that I think it's about time for me to do another dentistry or biological dentistry show, really, because a lot of people I think are unaware still about some of the issues with, um, you know, drinking fluoridated water and uh, the different types of toxic materials and amalgam metals and mercury and things that dentists want to put in your mouth and the dangers of root canals and um, the co-infections or cavitations that can occur when you have teeth extracted and implants and all this, like so much of your health is related to what goes on in your teeth, gums, jaw, etc. So it's a topic I'll be covering more. But uh, for now, thank you so much for joining me on this one. And I didn't put any ads for real uh, sponsor ads in this particular episode because, you know, it's just a bonus episode and I want to give people a break. But if you feel called and you want to support uh, the work that I'm doing here and support episodes like this, there's often travel involved and production costs and me actually making a living doing this, which annoys some people sometimes because they think that I should just be a renunciant. What is it called? A renunciate? I think. Basically where you just do volunteer work. I ain't trying to do this volunteer work, man. I work my ass off to do the show. And so, uh, you know, I got to pay the bills. And if you feel like supporting with that, one thing you can do is go to lukestory.com slash store. That's lukestory.com slash store. I've worked very hard for the past five years or so to put together a very tightly curated web store with all of my favorite health products. And just about every single product on that site is in my house and in my life currently, or if uh, at least has been at some point, you know, I go through phases of doing different things, but you'll find everything on there from hyperbaric oxygen chambers to every kind of high-tech biohacking device in the world that costs as much as a car Uh, in some cases to just really affordable herbs and supplements and things that are really supportive to your health. So if you want to find out what all of my favorite things are, it's really easy to find them. You go to lukestory.com slash store and know that most of the time when you buy things through the links on my store, you will also get exclusive discounts. So there's discount codes on my site uh, that are especially made for you. And in some of those cases, when you make purchases through my store, of course, I get a small commission, which helps me do my thing. You know what I mean? So um, I think it's a great business model where I'm supporting great brands that uh, are producing products that really help people and are worth their value. And also getting you guys some discounts, saving you the work of having to go do all the research yourself 
I'm really particular about vetting the products that I put in my store. Sometimes I remove products, I'll put them on there and then I find out in more information. I'm like, it's not the best, it's gone. That happens sometimes as well. Um, so the idea there is that all three parties win. You, the listener, and visitor to lukestory.com slash store. The brand gets a great new conscious customer and of course myself so that I can continue to do my work. So feeling really good about that. And I always like to explain how it works. Some people don't even realize like, why aren't podcasts just free? Why do I have to listen to the dumb ads? Well, that's why. Uh, well, I guess some people do Patreon and things like that where you can make a donation. And I actually tried that in the beginning and no one donated. <laughs> so I was like, my Patreon account made $2 a month and, uh, you know, the production costs for the show are in the thousands a month. So, um, you know, that wasn't happening. And there goes the sponsors and the creation of my online store. But it's something I really enjoy sharing with you, the listener, because I really believe that I pro- provide a lot of value there. So if you want to check it out, go do that. And if not, then just keep listening. Don't buy anything. Just give me your ears and maybe share an episode here or there with a friend because I'm going to keep doing this shit, whether anyone supports it or not. Quite honestly, I really enjoy having the opportunity to uh, share my discoveries and my awakening and continuing journey through health, wellness, and enlightenment with you. I'll be back at you next Tuesday. Tuesday.